We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? And you like seeing my face at least, right? I need another. I need a haircut, yes. haircut, but you I cannot I- still get a haircut. Uh, it's backed up in in uh, Pittsburgh. I went and tried to call in to get a haircut, and you'd say, "Why don't I just shave it?" Because I need somebody to take care of me, and I'm ready to just go in in a chair and get a haircut, Dave. Well, and the beard too, a little trim, I know. Yeah, I'll trim it again. Uh, it's time. <laughs> got a little bit so of So tell a us about our guest. Who who we who do we yeah, have today? You so say you're not introducing I am. Well, nobody told me to introduce it. I Emma, will introduce Emma so I, Wiggle. Yeah, Emma from the Wiggles. Emma from the Wiggles. The Wiggles. <laughs> you're and my kids were a huge fan. We've had you on before when you were first introduced, and it was when they also we were also introducing a couple new members of the Wiggles. Right? Wasn't that the time, Emma? Can you take us back a little Neil, bit? Neil, I I wonder what year this was, and it must have been. I'm gonna say maybe 2013. Yeah. Is it seven years ago? Yeah. That would make sense. And we, uh, Simon, who, who became the new Red Wiggle, Lockie became the new Purple, and I, we all um, took over in 2013. But in 2012, we actually uh, did a whole year of transition with the original Wiggles. And so it might have been around that time. Oh, yes. there were Wiggles before you, huh? Yes, <laughs> Dave again is not as educated with the Wiggles at all. All my kids are grown up, and all my grandkids are yeah, grown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so now, basically, to explain the history of the Wiggles, and is the basically they are the most one of the most popular kids singing bands in the world. I internationally, I, I pulled it up on YouTube, and I was very entertained. I can't get that uh, no, the, no, the wheels of the bus hop, out of my head. A different song, <laughs> but the originals have been around Emma for how many years? 30 years. So next year, wow. the Wiggles are celebrating their birthday. Um, it's quite special, I guess, because especially in Australia, um, it's become part of our, you know, it's our childhood. It's nostalgia. And we remember, um, I, for one, grew up with the Wiggles um, myself and watched them at preschool and at daycare. And there is a video uh, that they shot in Sydney. We filmed it and it was about not me, not we. I wasn't. In, I wasn't a wiggle then. <laughs> 1997, 1996, and I'm in the audience dancing with my sister. Well, as I was watching it and listening to the song, something in my mind said, "I know this song. I've seen this. This looks so familiar." So I, I do know the Wiggles. <laughs> so the Wiggles were a mainstay on PBS, right? Is that correct? Wasn't it? You just, I just couldn't look away. It was yeah, just so. So basically, it was, it was drawing they had in, their you know? own. Oh. Every merchandise in the world, the Wiggles have. From, it's it's just a cornerstone, Dave. And I, I can't believe you've not heard of them. And that's the greatest thing about impromptu interviews. But Dave, go ahead and learn more about Emma's story because we've heard the Wiggles story all the time. But Emma's story, we want to kind of d- dig deeper talking to her. So go ahead with your first question. Well, Emma, I understand you were the first, perhaps, the first uh, Wiggle girl. Can you explain that? Yeah, assen- Is that yeah true? essentially, you know, for the original Wiggle group, I am the first female. But before me, the Wiggles had created some franchised Wiggles, um, you know, way back when the Wiggles were on the Disney Channel and they had Spanish Wiggles and Taiwanese Wiggles. And within both of those groups, there were girl Wiggles. I see. So did you always want to be a performer? I mean, how did you fall into the Wiggles? Well, I grew up as a, as a ballet dancer and Ah, I, and I'm Middle Eastern. I can really appreciate that. Syrian. Oh, well, I'm so, I'm so impressed. (laughs) Um, We had a, we originally, well, I grew up dancing all different styles of dance after learning Irish dancing from the Wiggles video. And so I must, apparently I saw it on, on the video and was like, mom, I really want to do that. And when I went, it was too young for me to start Irish dancing. So I started ballet instead. And then forevermore, I've been doing Irish and ballet for about 26 years. Wow. Wow. You only look like you're 26 years so, old. So, so, I don't so, know. You, so you needed Emma that kind of skill set to be a wiggle, right? With the well, kind of things. Yeah. Well, uh, look, let let let's let's 
take it back <laughs> because the way that I came into the company was uh, I actually auditioned as a ballet dancing fairy. And in the audition, they asked if anyone could do any tricks. And usually, you know, audition etiquette is basically, you know, say that you can do everything and then learn the skill later. <laughs> um, and so for me, I don't know what it was about that audition. I just felt like I couldn't, I just, I didn't want to sing, but they asked everybody to sing and I didn't feel comfortable. And for the first time in an audition, I, I retreated and I was like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And four <laughs> girls out of 50 decided to sing. And it was one of the hardest things because the whole audition was based on dance and about ballet. And so I kind of, at that point, I was watching these four really brave uh, women try this song and a full ballet at the same time. And I just thought, no, nah, <laughs> I can't do it. And I, I sat back and just watched and I was like, good on them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed and I, I just don't feel comfortable. About five minutes later, uh, they asked for the tricks. Some people decided to do a bit of acrobatics. And then one girl on the panel had recognized me from some Irish dancing competitions. And uh, she was like, don't you do Irish dancing? And I was like, oh, yeah. Me not thinking that that was a trick. And she's like, is it okay if you just quickly do a, um, you know, just a step of your reel? And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I did that. And then the next day I'd got the job. So um, I don't know that that wasn't an audition where I felt particularly courageous. Um, I was, I was quite retreated. And uh, when I joined the Wiggles for about over a year, all I did was dance. It was, it's the thing that I love best. And uh. I, I felt so comfortable doing and actually Neil, when I spoke to you all that time ago, <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely wasn't, um, I hadn't really even found myself as part of the group yet. And I wasn't so comfortable even singing. And when Anthony did ask me to be a wiggle, I said, you know, I don't sing, <laughs> you know, I can't sing, you know, I don't know how to sing. He's like, Oh, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And but we never really, okay. yeah, we never really put any importance on the fact that I'd never trained. <laughs> and then when I got into the studio, it was a real um, different story. And I was really distraught. And um, I, I didn't know what my voice sounded like on a microphone. I'd never heard that before. I was quite confronted. And uh, Lockie Wiggle and Simon, who had the most amazing experience with voice and singing and music, they actually taught me how to sing and essentially I mean lots of I've had some funny comments but some people say that I'm not Mariah Carey but I have great diction <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy with that um but that's just my kind of story singing and I think it's perfect for the role as opposed to uh me trying to be a singer yeah it sounds like it wow so Dave it's like uh do you think about this and her background you started out some of the other wiggles that took over the originals they were just dancers right is that the same type of situation you dealt with or you just went right in to the main main performers because remember they're background dancers too with you guys right oh that that was me yeah i started as a i started as a background dancer Lockie was a wiggly dancer then too and simon was a character called ringo and he was like a ringmaster, like a circus ringmaster with an amazing hat and a sparkly jacket. And he had sung a lot of vocals for the Wiggles, like backing vocals for about 15 years prior to being on the tour. And so the three of us were already friends. And when we were asked, I think going back and, and thinking in retrospect, it was great that we were already friends and that we already knew each other. And it's a more, it was a more organic forming of a group. But I can, I can say that now. But uh, I, I think it's more uh, replicated with how the original started and that they were a group. Oh, this is my dog, Dali. He's mm -hmm. joining the uh, interview. Um, he's, just ch he's just checking out. This is awesome. I love this for getting to see Emma, real Emma, <laughs> traveling to go on to practice today because, again, we're going to talk about the Wiggles also back performing again and that's a challenge to talk about and the song so it's all related to COVID-19 in certain aspects especially what's happening in Australia compared to the United States go ahead Dave with your next question uh, are you in an Uber right now you're not driving right 
Uh, no, my partner is driving. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, the uh, passenger seat interview. <laughs> Looks like you're in a limo, so that's... That, I mean, that that's was it. my thought, <laughs> yes, a limo. Um, <laughs> this car yeah, is not fancy. No, no, because I remember the first time I interviewed the Wiggles, they were in a limo. Driving really? In. Yeah, not before you were Me? a part of it. The first interview. No, okay. The first <laughs> one. The second <laughs> one, we all sung. Remember, you sung. I had you guys sing at the end of the interview. Say, I have a great memory for 6,000 interviews. Remember our interview we did. Amazing. I, I mean, yeah. I can I can uh, whip out a song for you. Uh, remember, it's no Mariah Carey version. It's <laughs> a, just a very good story thing. <laughs> All right. So, so um, yeah. <laughs> how cool is it to uh, to be a Wiggle? I mean, do you go on tour and everything? Are you? Oh, yeah. They tour all the time. They're, they're nationally known, Dave. And it's something that is quite strange during this time, uh, during the pandemic. The Wiggles are so used to touring that we normally tour for about 80% of the year. Wow. Uh, and so for us to stop touring for this time, and it's been three months, just a little bit over three months, that is really strange. And for us to be home and be in the same, sleeping in the same room and not having to remember a hotel number, that is quite strange. So that's taken some pressure off my brain. <laughs> so you're not working. Remember. You haven't well, been working we, the last three months. Well, we have, which is what, I mean, we just haven't been touring. But I think okay. the wonderful thing about the Wiggles is that we do a lot of filming. And so for us, we kind of pivoted and sure. decided, okay, this is going to be the time. We're going to film everything that we need to for the next two years, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Let's get in and film. And um, But it never really started like that. It we found out about the pandemic during a show and we finished the first show and we were cautious about the second show. And by the time we finished the second show, there were closures right. in Australia. And that was the first day of the tour here in Australia <laughs> for 2020 that would have taken us to North America. We would have been to New Zealand, the UK, Ireland and Scotland. And that tour, the eight month tour was ready and roaring to go. And we'd only done the two shows and then stopped. We, the four of us, um, because we'd already been together, we, we met up again the next day, but we weren't doing shows. We decided to uh -huh. talk about when we were going to postpone the tour. And when we got together, we started talking about other ideas and, you know, what are we going to do? And then by the time a week had gone on, we're thinking, I don't think this is going back anytime soon. So we basically just postponed indefinitely and decided to change our our way forward and I think at this time everyone's had to be really flexible in in order to continue and so yes we've become a production house and it's been a lot uh, of fun and that's uh, that's been a great point that you guys were able to pivot because of the products you have even though you went on tour there's so many products like explain and like I explained the from the backpacks to the toothbrushes to anything wiggles it's there and all the kids have a specific amount of years that they're such huge fans of it dave and this is like a mainstream thing this is something you can go into any store and find wiggle stuff anytime so but are you, they are you saw recognizable when you go out do people, know, do people recognize you as a wiggle when you're out in public yeah and it's mainly <laughs> the parents and the grandparents i think they obviously hear our voice um, and they recognize this, but for children, it's really hard, particularly under the age of five to understand who we are when we're not dressed in our, in our colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're not in our costume, I get a lot of children being directed to look <laughs> at me. Mom's like, look, there's Emma Wiggle. And then they do this massive look around me to see where she is. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in the way, like, where is she? <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's something that I see so often. But it's really nice to um, meet people in the street or at the shops. And I think um, for us, we're really lucky because our audience is children and they're so sweet. Uh, they're such a lovely audience that every time that we do meet children and we're not in the show, once they've understood the concept that we're normal people and that sometimes we wear different clothes, uh, they're quite excited to meet us, which is lovely. And of course you love children. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the show, when, when you get on the stage for us, they, they make the show for us. They're yelling and they're, they're <laughs> laughing and, and 
we are actually for the whole show I'm watching them <laughs> and so that's what makes the show really fun and I can see why Anthony has enjoyed touring for that time you know 30 years is a long time and it's not like any other band where it's like oh we'll tour a little bit here and then we'll have a break it's full touring so I give all my credit to Anthony for touring for that long but you can see that spontaneity in the show there's no script there's a set list but I like to call it the wish list because if a child yells out during the show and they want hot potato and they want it at that point (laughs) We have to sing hot potato. There's no changing it. So it's a great it's a great way to work in the fact that I think for Simon and Lockie and I being uh, trained in arts, we never really trained in being a spontaneous artist. And so I think that that gives a longevity to the role. And essentially, because you have your own name and you're not playing a character, you're not pretending to be Cinderella or pretending to be a witch or something like that because it's you and you bring your hobbies and your interests to the show, it makes the whole thing more enjoyable and it's more integrated. Yeah. So interesting. You talk about the whole production and all that stuff. When you go back to producing all these things, did you guys do any Facebook lives or any types of stuff using the live portion of it too, so that you're still performing online at times so that, people don't forget, especially the people that you had to cancel tours that had been really hard for certain cities that had tickets or were dealing with certain things. Kind of explain that situation where you had to yeah, try to stick. You're in- absolutely yeah. right. And I think for the tour, sorry, sorry, Neil, <laughs> I got, I'm so excited to tell you all the things. Um, we, we, I think a lot of children and families expect us to travel. And they're expecting us to tour. For some families, it's a tradition the Wiggles every year at that particular time. Uh, we, we, we usually go to the same places. We try to go to the same places. And so people uh, or parents may actually decide that that event is um, some, almost like Christmas. You know, they count down uh, and there's a calendar and they, yeah, they cross off the days and they send pictures <laughs> to us like 29 days to the show. And so there's a lead up and then children are making art to bring to the show. Like I made a sign for Emma. I've got another week to work on it. And so there's this whole lead up and collaborative experience. And so then for the tour to not happen, that's a real disappointment. Big and for children, down, yeah. yeah, for children at this time, they don't understand what's going on, especially if they're really young. I mean, even for them to not be able to see their family members or their grandparents or cousins because of the pandemic, that's a really strange idea. They think that they've done something wrong. So for us, we wanted to make sure that we did keep some kind of presence and a connection with people that were were meant to be coming to the tour. And so we have done Facebook live, Instagram live, YouTube live. We've done everything live. Um, But it's been an amazing time for us to try technologies to connect with audiences that we wouldn't have actually been able to tour to. So for that, I'm so grateful because so many families, if the Wiggles had toured to that regional town 20 years ago and we've never been able to go back, if they have the internet and they have Facebook, then still able to see our performance and so we've had some amazing comments like you came to my preschool 25 years ago (laughs) it's oh my gosh you're singing fruit salad so i think that reconnection with the world through these spontaneous digital mediums has been wonderful and really interactive you know parents are actually writing comments and questions to us while we're performing and then I'm able to read it and then read it to the guys and then we're able to comment on it or song request. What's your song request? Let us know. Let's sing it. You know, it's, I think the beauty about the Wiggles is that all the music is played live and it's played by us. So we're able to be really flexible and change the song and adapt. And and for children, for them to recognize that we're actually listening to them is really important for so many children. Um, when they watch the TV, I, I have heard some stories that because we've been doing so much Facebook Live and we've been responding, we might have responded to a child, Thomas, for example. Thomas, we see that your request is do the propeller. And then the next day he watches the Wiggles on TV and actually yells his request to the TV, but it's the TV and we're not actually there live. So it's going to be a really interesting landscape for children that are getting used to this way of, of live performance. 
Wow, you, know, you, that, guys, you guys are really famous. <laughs> I tried to tell you that. So when I said rival Mr. Rogers, I mean, come on. Yeah, I have multiple show hosts that co-host with me. And I threw this to Dave at the last minute because of a, of a schedule conflict. And I'm like, you want to do it? And he had no idea about this group. I mean, yeah. seriously, if you would do a poll on your Facebook page, how many people have heard the Wiggles that they're in my age or younger that have had kids at that time in those uh -huh. 30 years? They all know. She is like a, a mega star. But Dave, go ahead and these questions that we want to know now, the new songs of the new yeah. normal. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah. so now, you know, we're, we're into the pandemic and the, uh, I understand you have a, a hand-washing song and a social distancing song. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and for us, we created the hand-washing song in collaboration with UNICEF last year. And UNICEF oh. had come to us and they were talking to us about the importance of personal hygiene, particularly with children in different countries and how there wasn't a lot of education about it and could we uh, create a song and something catchy that would inspire children to make sure that this was part of their daily routine. And so for Global Handwashing Day last October, we created this song, put it up on YouTube. It had been sitting there for a couple of months and then the pandemic happened. And so for us, we were like, okay, great. We've got a tool that's ready to go. Like yeah. this is already there. Um, you know, if parents need to use this um, or childcare workers, please, you know, this is, this is available. We've, we've already created it. So um, that concept had come before the pandemic uh, for the handwashing song. However, as the pandemic had uh, continued as it is, as it is still going, the facts have been changing. And so originally in the song, we talked to children about washing their hands for 15 seconds, but that's been updated uh, and it's now 20 seconds. So we're back in the studio, add a bit more time, count to 20, not 15. And so I think that's, that's been um, an evolution of this song. And um, we've now seen the song travel to all different countries and being used oh uh, to educate families. It's amazing. I mean, the fact that a song can be that powerful, particularly at a time when it's really important, um, I think that's significant. And so after that time, we've received so many comments from parents. How are we going to explain to my child that they can't go to their grandparents' house? My grandparents are really vulnerable. They might be sick. Um, or my cousins have got coronavirus, what are we going to do? We can't go over. We always go over every Wednesday. You know, all these kinds of fears and anxiety were coming through on our comments. You know, what do we do? How do we tell that our children that they can't see their friends? Um, they can't have a party. The party was booked. Now we have to cancel it. What can we do? Wiggles, help, 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 help. And I guess, you know, the Wiggles become um, this centre of responsibility or a centre of, there's a reputation about the Wiggles that we will be able to deliver a trustworthy message or, you know, that Brand. we're actually there to assist. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're so our, our role is to assist parents and, and teachers, um, you know, learning education, entertainment and learning through yeah. play. And so uh, the idea of social distancing was a very strange one, even for adults, for us to understand that we need to stand a certain distance away from people that already is and a weird no concept. No hugging, really? <laughs> no hugging, no high fives. That's a real big one for children because in the show, that's such a big way for us to connect. And I remember mm. on that second show, the one that we had before we before everything was shut down, we we were we were told don't go out into the audience, and we're so used to doing that. We go out, we see all the families, we collect all the roses for Dorothy, we collect bows for me because I wear this big bow in my hair children make bows they want to give it to you they want to personally give it to you we had to have other people collect everything but children were getting upset because they wanted to deliver it to emma how can they deliver it it's like well, I, I don't want i don't want a postman i just want to i want to give it direct <laughs> to the source um so we decided to write this song about social distancing titled social distancing and we knew that children wouldn't understand the idea of what kind of measurement to stand away from one another. So we decided to demonstrate it visually by putting our arms out to the side and spinning in a circle and trying to let them know that by them staying home, it was actually letting mum or dad or grandparents or cousins who lived in another place that um, you were helping them and you were helping them out. And so well done. 
And so the song became about empowering children and their choices during this time and that they were doing a good thing and a good job. And by doing that, that's kind of the premise of how that song was created. And I remember we wrote the song in the day we filmed and recorded it the next day and then the next day it was on YouTube. (laughs) And it, I, you know, for us, we absolutely love touring in North America, Canada and America, one of our favorite places. And that song just must've landed over there somewhere. (laughs) And then we've had some amazing chats with people like yourselves that we would normally be able to come and visit. And, you know, it's kind of connected us back together with people around the world that have been utilizing this song to educate children that might be within their family. What a real positive force. And, and you turn on the news and everything's negative and everything's uh, disappointing. And, and then you are a breath of fresh air and a light, a ray of sunshine. Thank you for being the wiggles. (laughs) Just from me to you. Yeah, and I'll say I was, I was, uh, hoping to have all of them we'll have to have another opportunity to get somebody else on but dave last question for emma and this involves caregiving this is a thing that dave yeah. is back you should hear this question emma go ahead so i'm i'm caregiver dave i uh was just a normal wiggle kind of a person and then one day <laughs> my wife has a stroke she loses her speech becomes paralyzed on one side and we go through a two-year grieving period but then we come around, we survive, she reinvents herself, our love is rekindled, and, and now I go all around the country just sharing my message to the caregivers because 30% of them die before their loved ones do from the stress. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't even know what a caregiver was and the stress, and, and so now we help caregivers. And I wrote this book, uh, It's My Life Too, uh, Thrive and Stay Alive as a Caregiver. And my premise is that everybody is going to become a caregiver one day or need a caregiver. There's no escaping it. So my question to you, Emma, is um, how has caregiving affected your life or has it? Oh, that's that's an amazing uh, concept in itself about caregivers. I mean, for me, I watched my parents through caregiving for their parents. And I guess um, there was a real... I guess it's you feel torn when you're on the tour and you can't be close and someone is really ill, someone's sure. really sick, you can't be there. But I do remember uh, my mum and the stress when she was looking after her mum and her brother actually became the caregiver for her mum. And, you know, you, you're right. You think that it's going to be fine. You think that you're the, you're, you're the closest person, so that's really important and that's going to be easy but then it's actually not that at all. And it's a huge uh, responsibility, but for, for anybody, it comes out of a pure sense of love and the caregiving uh, idea is actually that it's, you're there because you want to care about that person. And so um, look, I'm very grateful for everybody who actually lands in that position because it's not a position that, technically anyone originally trains for is it yeah, and I, <laughs> it's and a bit I, like being a wiggle you just jumped in there but you don't know what this is about and um, i don't know if you consider yourself a caregiver but you're caring for all these children and you are a caregiver uh whether you're doing it or not you you have these children who are looking up to you and you're caring for them you're molding them you're you're helping them become uh the individuals that they're going to become when they get older but uh, that's why I, I wrote my book and I have my website, caregiverdave.com, to help people just have an awareness of caregiving because it's like the tsunami. Nobody knows it's coming and it's going to come. Mm. It's going to come yeah. hard. And I, I and so we, appreciate all you do. Oh, we, I mean, we appreciate everything you do. <laughs> it, it's something that we see with the Wiggles is that our, our audience is not necessarily children between the ages of two and five. No. It is so much broader than that. And children that are on the spectrum have additional needs. Mm -hmm. They need a caregiver. We have so many caregivers that come to the show. They're a guardian. They're looking after a child or a young adult. This young adult might be 30 years old. They've been watching the Wiggles for 30 years. You know, that, that's, that's some of our most important audience. And the reason why, when I met Neil all these years ago, uh, the, (laughs) Oh, oh no, come back. Come back. She disappeared for a second. <laughs> I've had this kind of video day. 
but uh, is she still on? Are you there, Emma? So that's her yeah. outfit. Oh, yeah. I just saw what you is look like better? with your wiggle outfit. That's better. We're, we're back. We're back. Go ahead. Um, so sorry about that. I was I was just saying that uh, <laughs> caregivers and and um, young adults that have been watching the Wiggles for thirty years that's some of our most important audience members mm. and 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 the reason why uh, we transitioned for eight months is because for some children that don't that are not open to change generally children are really open to change right. and it's parents that are not. But children that might be on the spectrum, they might have additional needs. They're young adults. They might be 30 years old. They've been watching the Wiggles this whole time. They need to have a time of transition. And so our transition year, I'm so grateful that we had that year with the originals because yeah, yeah. we were able to reintroduce ourselves and not be the character of us that was Fairy Larissa or Wiggly Dance. To Emma. It was able to introduce to them and I was able to wear a yellow shirt and say, this is me, I'm Emma. And so when Greg is gone, I'll be wearing this color. And so that whole year was about wow. education for everybody that wasn't able to, you know, adapt to the change quickly. And that was, that was the reason why. Awesome. Wow. Best place we can find information on you and the Wiggles. Where can we go? Well, I think for Dave's uh, perspective, he needs to watch our YouTube channel. Okay. I, I went to your YouTube channel and I watched uh, the wheels of the bus go round and round and I was singing along <laughs> with it. Uh, so Dave, you should put up on your Facebook, how many have heard of the Wiggles? And then you'll find out I will. Pop, your pop culture, definitely not there. But as Emma said, the whole world loves the Wiggles and to go to the YouTube channel and then I'm follow you, Emma, on Twitter or you have a social media for people to follow you too? Where can we go? Our Instagram and Facebook is really popular. So on Twitter, you can definitely visit us on Twitter. We're not so up with it. I don't know why, but you know who's really good on Twitter is Anthony Wiggle, the original Blue member, and he loves Twitter and writes on it multiple times a day. So if you'd like to connect with him, he would be so happy to chat. Um, he loves having a chat on the Twitter, as he calls it. Uh, he calls it the Facebook the Instagram, the YouTube, but our YouTube channel really is a space for people all over the world to watch us where broadcast isn't available. And so we're trying more and yeah. more now to um, make videos accessible to everybody. And now with different durations, we have an, uh -huh. an Emma ballet video, which I know Dave will <laughs> like. Um, he'll be able to, you know, uh, do some ballet exercises that goes for 42 <laughs> minutes. Uh, but actually only, I think it was last night. No, tonight there's going to be an, another upload. But last week we uploaded um, a compilation of some of our favorite uh, videos that involve transport because we're about to release a new album, which is called wow. Choo Choo Trains, Propeller Planes and Toot Toot Chugga Chugga Big Red Car. It's a really long um, name, but yeah, we like it. it up. You have to find I'm, all that. I'm, I'm your newest stuff. fan. So Dave will be it. <laughs> but I appreciate you, Emma, stopping by. Enjoy your audition. I'm not auditioning your, uh, your um, practice today and continue <laughs> success with the Wiggles. Thank yes. you so Such much for having me. Oh, right. thank you. And Our please um, enjoy the, uh, the Wiggles YouTube. I will. They will. He'll be spending that time entertaining himself today. So take care. <laughs> Thanks again, Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> this was the Neil Haley Show, everyone. Take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show's ProVision Brokerage Celebrity Segment. We're excited to welcome the program. First of all, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And we're in, we see you're in your office, but yeah. you are a huge fan of the I'm a huge show. fan. A huge yes. fan. Everyone's a huge fan. I saw the last thing they talked about when they were covering certain things, talking about happy days in, um, on TV lately. So it's like, you know, he's always plastered everywhere, this guest. So go ahead and introduce him. Well, I'm a fan on Sundays, Mondays, really any happy day, right? Uh, today we've got Don Most, also known as Ralph Mouth, um, you know, loves to talk and we got a smiler here and we're going to have a blast and just a great conversation. Absolutely, Eric. John, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you. That's good to be with both of you. Thank you. 
Yeah. And Don, Don and I are starting to be, develop this friendship, right? Trying to have different theme-based shows. Eric really takes it towards the family in this theme when he co-hosts with me. And he'll ask some really interesting questions about legacy and, and motivation and everything. And his business is all based on that. And as I said, you guys are both performers. He was a, you're a music major, right, Eric? In college? Eric? I was uh, in college. I was a vocal performance major and singing and dancing in theater. And, uh, and then I grew up my, you know, my dad and granddad were both college football players and baseball. And uh, I figured I would do the same. And then I, I took a turn and, and went in music and singing and being in shows and just loved it. Met my bride and we just celebrated 20 years and somehow along the way got into uh, insurance and, and doing retirement planning and, you know, but yeah. Awesome. All kinds of fun stuff. All right. I know you have a first question you want to ask Don. Well, yeah. So, I mean, tell me, tell me about happy days. Like there, there's a million questions, but how did you get into that? How did that start off? Well, I, you know, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York. And from a very young age, I, I started pursuing uh, the acting, singing kind of thing. I was going to a, school on, on, I was going to regular, you know, junior high and, and um, high school, but I went on the weekends, I would go into Manhattan to take the subway to a school that specialized with young teenagers and kids for singing and acting and dancing, that sort of thing. And, yeah. um, and so I, I was really into it, especially music. I loved the great American songbook, even at that age and jazz and and the jazz standards. And I actually wound up getting a pick from that school to be in this nightclub review when I was 14, 15 years old. And uh -huh. I was singing during that summer up in the Catskill Mountains, a resort area upstate New York that had a lot of entertainment, all these hotels with nightclubs. So I was doing that when I was like 14, 15 one summer. And then I shifted my focus into acting, uh, much more into a serious acting class in New York. Yeah after that summer and started getting through that, through that school. I met a woman who became my manager and started going out on a lot of auditions and uh, doing a lot of TV commercials in New York. It was, that was a big, it still is in New York. And yeah. um, so anyway, I went out to uh, LA after my junior year in college. I was supposed to just go for the summer, uh, but I started making some connections and, and going on auditions and getting some parts. And, and I wound up staying in LA. I didn't go back for my senior year. I figured take some time off. And then um, eventually it led, I got landed some more parts and then led to me auditioning uh, for Happy Days, uh, a slew of auditions and then a screen yeah. test. And, and then after the screen test, um, you know, they, I got offered uh, a role. So uh, that's how that happened, uh, in, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> now, and you were there for all 11 seasons, right? Like, that, nope. weren't there 11 seasons of it? Yeah, but I was only there the first seven. The first Ron, seven? Yeah, Ron Howard and I left after the seventh season. Our contracts were up and uh, for various reasons. He, he wanted to really pursue directing. And, and um, yeah. I... I felt it was, I'd been playing this one character for seven seasons and, and I wasn't really like the character to begin with. And yeah. I, I, I didn't want to get stuck, you know, uh, sort of in that role because typecasting right. was a very real kind of a syndrome more yeah. so back, back then when there were only three networks, it was yeah. no, it was no Netflix. There was no cable. Yeah. There was no, no internet. So, you know, so it was a more, you were more prone to getting, associated mm -hmm. with a character uh, as opposed to today where there's so many different shows and you know right. you don't have you don't have 50 million people watching you every Tuesday night like we did you might yeah. a big show now will have five million people you know yeah that that's the interesting thing to talk about so many people watching I couldn't imagine mm -hmm. that especially that time there's not many choices right Don at all at that time yeah For, well, and you, you just, you know, there's so many 
And yeah, you're I mean, absolutely we, top guessing because I mean the reality is when I works. when I heard your name, and I immediately went to Ralph Mount. Yeah, he's he's moving slow, so don't worry. We'll be working on it with this video. Donnie, yeah. there still, right? Yeah, and but oh, it's yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. Did, no. did I cut out again? You cut out again. Yeah, it depends on the bandwidth, and the, no worries. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've I've been doing a lot of other things, you know, over the years, and of course, people are still going to remember me from Happy Days. But uh, a lot of new things have been happening, a lot of really good things, films, films and, some, and television and theater and my music. So, um, you know, it's, gonna ch it's changing. It's, it's opening up in, in new ways now, which is great. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was, what was your, uh, you know, we'll, we'll jump to some stuff, but, you know, we've got to obviously cover, you know, happy days. So w was there, uh, was there a favorite moment or a favorite character or story, you know, or something that happened behind the scenes that you still think back to and laugh and just, you know, I'm, some of the memories like, from back then? There were so many, you know, there, there's so many wonderful memories and there's not like one thing that stands out for me. What, what really stands out for me is, you know, how great we all got along, yeah. how we loved working together and, and all the conversations we would have, you know, in between setups, in between, uh, during, you know, uh, before we would shoot, uh, in between shooting, um, the camaraderie, the family type atmosphere that we had. Mm. Um, that's what I really remember and have such fun. I, I have great memories of, sh of shooting episodes too. But 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 it was so um, enriched with with that other element, which was great and and um, and wonderful collaboration, a very vibrant, creative, uh, you know, collaborative energy that was that was there on the set. And then when you talked about all those different characters, what about the fawns? What do you think of when you think of the fawns, especially work with them, but also just the the gimmick, the the character in so many ways? Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't. I wouldn't call say use gimmick in in describing in describing that at all. I I mean Henry was a is was and is a wonderful actor, serious actor, you know, yeah. who went to the Yale Drama School for his masters and and um, was nothing like that character, but was beautiful, uh, a genius kind of inspiration on his part to how he created that character, and I saw it evolve. I saw it in real time evolve and it was just brilliant stuff that he did to create that. I mean, it, be, it became more gimmicky later on, but that was, I, I think that was more of a result of sort of the network um, going to the well too often saying, uh, Oh, give us more of that. You know, Oh, it was great when right. he snapped his fingers. And so then they start, you know, they were like asking for more and more and, and it became a little bit ridiculous, you know, uh, then it became more gimmicky, but yeah. that was a result of of them, you know, thinking, "Oh, that works, so let's do it more and bigger," you know. And sometimes that's not a good idea. Yeah, not but at yeah. all. Hey, keep it, keep it chill. Um, which was which was the whole persona, right? Building these, building these larger than life personalities. As as you've got the cool funs, and then you've got Ralph. That's just fun. Like your character was just fun anytime you're around we're going to be smiling we're going to be laughing um and it's just hopefully you know, yeah. everybody brought but what's wild is you know i mean how long has happy days been off the air well you know it's never really been off in terms of the original right. uh the original programming uh the the last season for them was 1984 i believe yeah so so yeah, that's that's a long time ago, eighty-four. So fifteen to was that thirty-five years ago or something 35 like that. Thirty-five years, and yet my kids love watching Happy Days, right? When oh, they were great. kids, and you know when they were when they were children, and and just looking for something that was that was family friendly, that was funny, oh. right? Um, yeah. You know because we have to be so careful with what we allow our kids uh, to see these days. And yeah. but we can go back to happy days and shows like that. And we know that our, it's totally fine. And our kids are going to watch it and love it. And 
of course, you know, they, with mine, it was father's knows best. And then the Andy Griffith show. And, but then they get into to happy days and it's like, man, I don't ever have to worry about if they're watching a show that, that something's going to pop up that I'm going to have to explain later. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's true. I mean, we have, when I've gone around the country for sometimes, you know, uh, personal appearances or different events and sh uh, shows, that's one of the, the biggest comments I get is uh, pe people and parents will say, you know, it was a show that we could watch with the family and there aren't too many like that. And, 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 you know, it was all these different generations that would be, it would be yeah. parents with their kids or their grandparents as well, watching it with them and that they could share it as a family. And um, they, and they said, we loved that about it. And we wish there were more shows like that. And, and um, so, yes, I, we're, we were very proud of, of that more so now, probably when I was in my twenties, I don't know if I appreciated that as much or understood how the importance of that as much. Cause, yeah. um, but now, you know, I, I, I get it. I really see that and, and it, see how, how much that meant to people. Yeah. And that whole, oh it's the whole envisionary thing of the show, such a big part of it. And uh, it's it just the, the characters, all that stuff, Eric, is what really makes, uh, you know, the show what it is. And Don, that's the thing what I was talking about before is how, what you learned from that family, from everyone, every one of the characters, every one of your cast. You learn so much from each one of them that you take today, right? right? And so much, wouldn't you say? Um. Well, I, I certainly learned from the people I worked with. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. an it was an incredible cast. And, and behind the scene, you know, our producer, our, the, the creator of the show and the exec producer, Gary Marshall, yeah. who was a, he was a comic genius. And, and uh, getting to, to be up close in person, you know, working intimately with, with him and our, and our director, Jerry Parrish, who was fantastic. He had done all the, he had, he had directed uh, most of the old Dick Van Dyke shows and, and he yeah. played the next door neighbor, Jerry Helper. And he, he was like, uh, they were both real mentors to us. Um, and then, but then, you know, me here, I am working with Ron Howard, who I grew up with, you know, watching him on Andy Griffith's show and movies and all uh, kinds of stuff. And, and, and Tom Bosley, who I, I seen in movies and, knew, you know, he won the Tony on Broadway for Fiorello and, um, and then, and then meeting Henry and Anson and getting to, and Marion um, and Aaron, it was an amazing cast. So yeah, I, I used to stick around. Like I remember, especially in the first season, uh, you know, we were not always shooting in front of an audience. The first two years we shot it like a movie, the first two seasons. So, um, you know, you'd shoot a scene and then maybe you wouldn't be in the, in a scene for another several hours, then you'd be in another scene and maybe I'd be done for the day and it would be early. Well, I used to stick around and just watch because yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to watch Tom and Marion and Ron and, and, you know, in their scenes. And then I'd want to watch Anson and, and Ron or Henry in, in their scenes. Uh, so I, in, I remember Tom would look up at me and see me, he knew I was done for the day and he'd see me sitting off to the side watching and he goes, what are you doing? Go home. You're done. You know, you're done. I'm going, I don't want to go home. I want to watch. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's fun. So and it was fun. And, but I, I was really, you know, definitely absorbing, taking it all in and, and, you know, learning about the process too. Cause I had done some guest roles on TV before that and a lot of commercials, but this was, this was a different kind of thing. And, and, and I, 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 I was, you know, wanted to take it all in. I loved being there and, and, and being a part of it, even as an observer. Right. So, so question, you know, the people, the people want to know, uh, does Ralph the Mouth still got it? <laughs> well, I, I'll go by what other people tell me. And um, there's been a lot of uh, affirmations of that lately you know, with people see they're seeing, um, cause I'll be posting on Facebook and, Let's see. Okay, Eric, that was unbelievable. Part one, and I know Eric, you're gonna have a lot of great things to ask him. Important. Turn that over because I was I was leaning over. Okay, no, 
I, but I'm talking, so it would only show me. I like having it where okay. it's one person and the next. Okay. Eric, we're going to have a great part two of this interview. Part one was phenomenal. Don, I mean, just to hear about his just experiences with the happy days. But I know you have some new things you want to talk to him in part two when we, re we go ahead and schedule that interview because you did some research finding out about some of his entrepreneurship and some of the other mm -hmm. things that you want to delve into right. a legacy question, but where can people find information on you and find out more info on you? Where can we go? Well, you know, there's a handful of places we can go. Our company website is provisionbrokerage.com P R O V I S I O N B R O K E R A G E.com. Or you can go to uh, Facebook dot com slash Eric Couch and you'll see a picture of me E R I C C O U C H uh, just like the furniture I think that's how Billy Madison passed the third grade is felon couch so um, yeah you find me online and and love chatting and you're gonna be traveling again soon right a little bit of a trip you're making another little trip well we just we just had our 20th wedding anniversary and went to Yellowstone and, and Tetons and all of that and had an absolute blast. It's been closed all summer. The animals were everywhere. We saw grizzlies and, and uh, elk and moose and bison and all of the, I mean, it was, it was amazing. Um, and then later next month, I'll be speaking at AT&T um, just about, communication and, and retirement planning and some things like that. Uh, and then a handful of other speaking engagements throughout the year. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, everyone needs to check you out. Look forward to our next big celebrity interview. You can check them out in all the different places. It's available all over the place and uh, look forward to launching the podcast as well with all of our great interviews we've done so far uh, regarding just that legacy and some of the guests yeah. that told us the legacy. So I appreciate it. Legacy and influence. Absolutely. I love it. And that's the important things. If you're truly living a life that is purpose driven, it needs to be legacy and influence in so many ways that's to, right. to get reach the most people. So take care, Eric. Thanks, Neil. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. My good, my buddy, my pal. We just never know who we're going to talk to next. Caregiver Dave Nasani. Dave, uh -huh. how are you? And uh, you know great, what? I great. just I just feel great about the economy. I really do. I'm ready to be rolling. I, I you know, we still are the new normal, but it's great to see everywhere open up, and it's shocking to see California opening up, Dave. Yeah. Um... You know, I have a gas station, for those of you who don't know, and we're about 95% of normal. People are coming out of the woodwork on the highway. They're, they're stir-crazy, and they're, they're on the road, and they're just going wherever they want to go. And I'm selling them gas. I'm selling them face masks. I'm, and they're using my restroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, David, introduce our guest. Well, we have an attorney today, uh, John O'Connor, and he's an experienced trial attorney practicing law in San Francisco of all places since 72. So he's old like us. <laughs> yep. He's tried cases in state, federal courts throughout the country, served an assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California from 74, 79, representing U.S. in both criminal and civil cases. And he's got some pretty famous ballsy cases here. Um, talking about OPEC, the oil embargo of the 70s, which I was around selling gas in. I wasn't uh, alive. State of mind briefs for prosecution in the United States versus Patricia Hearst. I remember her <laughs> representing FDIC, FSLC, and RTC during the savings and loan crisis. Boy, that takes balls. And of late, the 80s and the 90s, representing California Attorney General Dan Lundgren in campaign related litigation. Boy, if I ever get in trouble, John, I'm going to hire you. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> well, I like that. I like that. Who cares about my book? Just tell people to hire me. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, if you, and guess what? There's a lot of more opportunities now for being an attorney because you can sue people for. Uh, now you could represent people that are been hurt by the cops if this ends up happening. More lawsuits. Yeah, it's going to open up you more attorneys. Yeah. You even have experience with Mark Cuban. Yeah, we. Oh love yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark and Deep Throat. 
yeah, yeah. Mark and I became kind of friendly enemies. I ended up, uh, he, and, he and I ended up getting along pretty well, even though I don't think I was his favorite person for a couple of years there. But, you know, what the heck? Well, so, you're a very timely guest with what's going on today. My first question to you is Antifa, <laughs> terrorist group, right? Can he do oh, this? Right. Well, he can do this. Deal. Well, first of all, he, he's, you know, where, what I admire the president for mostly is he's got great street fighting instincts and what he's, well, he's doing clean. here and he does not listen there's no first of all there's they're not a terrorist uh, group under the statutes that helps you do anything uh, domestic terrorism means nothing under the statutes, but because you have to be a foreign terrorist to get any of the advantages of wiretapping and all that stuff but but by calling attention to Antifa, that's a big deal because up to now they've really gotten by with a lot of stuff. Here they are, very organized, crossing state lines to incite a riot. Uh, I'm no fan of what people did on 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 either side in Charlottesville, uh, certain people, but nobody paid attention to Antifa there. And there are a lot of really nice protesters, peaceful people out there carrying their candles and all that. But then you've got Antifa. And they are there to disturb the stuff. Let's put it that way. And they're crossing state lines and they are, uh, you know, encouraging people to do violent things. And so and they I go think, after black people, too. It's like some black lives matter. Well, some I'll tell you this. We've got a nice black guy that was over here in Oakland guarding the federal building and he got ambushed. He just got whacked uh, somebody else. I think probably the same guy whacked another guy and. uh uh, in Aptos, which is south of San Francisco. So we've had two drive-by uh, assassinations of people in uniform because they were in uniform. Those are assassinations. One of them was a black guy, one's a white guy. Uh, and then there was the fellow David, uh, I forget what David's name is, something, not, not Dinkins, but close to that, that was the uh, black police officer that got assassinated a little while ago. So, that yeah, there are a lot of lives and nobody's protesting those. And no. that's what bothers me. It's like, wait, wait, wait a second. If, if I, I was horrified by what happened to, to George Floyd. And like, like most people, like 96% of the country was horrified by it. So who are we protesting against? I don't know. But if this is just a way of, of uh, causing civil unrest, it's bad. And uh, and we've got it. We've got to look at this, and people have got to call out Antifa on this. And that's why I think the president is is smart to to raise their profile. No, absolutely. Yeah, no Democrat will criticize them, will they? You notice that? What kind of you know? You hear all this talk about oh, speaking truth to power, big moral, uh, having moral courage, and all this. These are little pipsqueaks. Where where are their voices? <laughs> where are they? You little cowards. You guys are cowards. Look in the mirror and say, I am a coward. Because, you know, when, when times like this, you're supposed to speak out. And there are all kinds of platitudes that people talk about, you know. But, boy, who's who's speaking up on this? Nobody on the left side of things is really calling these people out. So let's go I kill hope some the, more I police hope the officers. I hope the independents are listening. So why? So so Dave. So you see, Dave's again being a commentator, not a journalist. I'm going to go with my journalistic question for our guest. Now, the question I'm going to ask is specifically the the reason why Antifa's kind of shut down after President Trump went and said, "There's no more violence, or else we're going to get." the National Guard and stop this completely. Have we seen less violent protests, especially Antifa members, after he issued that decree? I think we have. I think uh, even though people protested what he said and made it look like he was some kind of a wild guy for actually saying that we should restore order, uh, the fact is they have stopped to a great degree. And people forget that our whole Constitution the very constitution we supposedly revere that the great general Mattis, who's probably not to be confused with Aristotle or uh, Edmund Burke, let me put it that way, said, oh, he's threat Trump's threatening the constitution. What people should realize that our constitution was signed because of something called Shays Rebellion, in which a bunch of people, it was civil, they're American citizens, civil unrest, they started, uh, you know, rioting because of the taxes that were imposed. And I understand why they were mad. The people west of the Appalachians are doing tax, and they don't have hard currency. The 
the Articles of Confederation did not have enough power in a chief executive to put these things down. We had no national.